Well, good morning. Good to see you. I want us, as we start this part of the, the worship time together, to just pause in prayer. Um, many of you know, but not all of you know, we have a mission team that's out this week, and they're in Aruba, uh, continuing on a mission trip that they uh, were on, I believe, last year, and they're back for their second year. And it's getting toward the end of that, and that's when things usually begin to really, really happen. And so I want us to just stop and pray for that mission team uh, that is out there right now. So would you bow your heads with me and pray? Father, we miss those that are gone, but we're so grateful they heard your call to go and to serve and to be on mission in a different part of our world right now. And they've been laboring all week. And, uh, Father, they've built relationships, and it's, it's getting toward the end, and they're going to start their journey back soon. But, Father, now is the time where a lot is going to all come together. And I pray what they've done, what they've spoken, the relationships that have been built you will bring to, uh, to a point of decision that people will be saved and believers will be strengthened and the church will be established in such a way that the ministry continues to go on in that area of the world. Thank you for the opportunity to be your ambassadors away from independence as well as in our community in which we live in independence. Father, every day is a life on mission if we look for that opportunity. And I pray you'll transform us to be more on mission today than we were yesterday and that tomorrow it will be even stronger. And may we all be on mission to bring you glory and to bring the gospel to folks that need to hear it. So give our team great success on this last few hours of their mission project and give them safety as they travel home tomorrow. And we pray this in Christ's name. As we're in the the middle sermon on our series on prayer, I'm going to make a a shift on where we're we're going. Last last week, we we talked about the foundations. We talked about what prayer is. It's it's coming together to to praise God individually or corporately. Prayer prayer life is, is expressing to Him our thanks and appreciation and then laying our requests before Him and then listening to what He has to say to us a tuning of our hearts and our ears and our lives and our hearts to just hear what he's really trying to say through us, through the word, by his spirit, through the people and the circumstances where things begin to all come together. And uh, and in those foundational principles, we, we talked about the fact that Jesus was a man of prayer. He really took prayer seriously, and he would get away to have his private time of prayer, as well as we know we found him in prayer at other times, which we didn't really look at last week. But we know about those times when he prays 
uh, with, with other people along the way. And then we looked at that parable that he shared with us, the, the parable that just kind of talked us talk to us about some principles of prayer that we need to be persistent and we need to be praying all the time and we need to be laying our requests before him and allowing him to then guide us by the power of his Holy Spirit to do what he is calling us to do because he is transforming us to be who he's called us to be. And today I want to take a, a twist on that and take it another way and talk about some of the practicality of what it means to be a prayer warrior. Now, I believe all of us, as I said last week, would agree that prayer is important. But I also know from experience and from conversation with folks and from surveys that have been taken that few of us are prayer warriors. Prayer is one of those things that we do occasionally, but a prayer warrior lives in that attitude of, of, of prayer. And it doesn't mean he, uh, a prayer warrior is always on his knees and always in prayer, far from it. They are some of the most active people in the world as they're moving about the world. But they, they constantly have that mindset of prayer that it's just an ongoing dialogue. Uh, uh, when, when I used to lead summer camp uh, with the, the mission staff that helped me lead those camps Week after week, I used to always say, we're not going to say amen at the end of our prayer time because this prayer isn't going to end. It's just going to keep happening. We're just going to keep dialoguing with God and listening to him along the way. And that's what I would encourage you to do as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning that's going to talk about our practical day-by-day experience in the life of prayer. And I would hope that we would quit saying amen as much as I would hope that we would start saying and. Father, thanks for this time, and we're going to continue on listening and talking to you about things like that. So if you will, turn in your scriptures to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is the letter that Paul wrote uh, to uh, the church at Ephesus. And Paul's custom when he wrote letters, he would usually start the letter with the first half of the letter being kind of some theological precepts and concepts of things that he wanted to teach the folks And then he would move more to a practical application of, okay, knowing these truths, how do you apply these to your life? And that's what we're picking up uh, in this latter part of the book of Ephesians where he's talked about us walking in his love and uh, then the relationships that we have as, as husbands and wives and parents and children and employers and employees and things like that. And then he gets to the end of, uh, uh, or the middle part of chapter 6 of Ephesians, and he talks about the armor of God. Most folks don't see that as a prayer passage, but I do. And I do that because he mentions prayer at the end, but the whole concept, I think, is, is part of this process of praying. And so that's what I want us to look at. So if you will look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And as you're getting to that point, let me give you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Abraham Lincoln is one of my heroes. I I love him and uh, appreciate what he had to say. But listen what he said here. 
And I remember this is at a time when our nation is in turmoil and civil war is happening. And he said this, I have been driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seem insufficient for the day. Is that what drives your prayer life? That you feel so overwhelmed by all that's happening and you recognize that I don't have what it takes and even my brothers and sisters, the saints around me, it just seems so insufficient. So Father, I've got to come to you. Sounds a whole lot like John 5 19 that we looked at last week, where Jesus said, The Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing, and then he does the exact same thing in the exact same way. And that's the practicality of what, what Paul is going to say here in Ephesians chapter 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can Extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The practicality of prayer. It is not something that's done just in church or in a Bible study group or around a meal table. It, it is, in essence, the very breathing in and out of the Spirit and staying in communication with Him and listening to what He has to say to us. And He says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
what Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus and what he's saying to us today is you need to be strong, but you don't have what it takes, so look to the Father because he has what it takes, and he will impart it to you. So you be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You don't try to do it. You let him do it by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then he says to put on the whole armor of God, which is able that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the evil. And he tells you, this is why you put on the armor. This is why you stand strong, resting in his strength, not your own. Because it's a battle out there, folks. And that's what scares me about the church today. And by the church, I'm talking about me as well as you. I'm talking about all of us who are believers. We forget we're in a battle. We go through our daily activities. We cheer for our sports team. We enjoy the dance. We enjoy this particular radio show. We watch this TV show. We enjoy our families. We go to work. We have our recreation. We do whatever. And it never dawns on us, we're in a battle. Do you realize since we started this service, people have died and gone to hell? They have. Praise God, some people have died and gone to heaven. But it's only because somebody's out there sharing the gospel in this battlefield that is out there. It's like December 7th, 1941. They had all sorts of information coming in that said, watch out, something is about to happen. And they said, yeah, but it's never happened before. Surely it's not going to happen. Well, we're, we're negotiating with Japan right now. They're talking about finding a solution. And wham! They got us right where they wanted us. More recently, it was a bright, sunny day. And it looked like it was going to be a great day. September 11, 2001. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a plane slams into a building. And in this country where they tell us we can't pray in school and we can't really, we shouldn't be talking about all this religious stuff, what's the first thing that happens when a tragedy strikes? The leaders say, please gather together and pray. I say, let's pray before the crisis gets worse because it's happening now. Be strong in the Lord and put on the armor so that you can what? Fight? What's the word say? What's the word say? Does it say put on the armor so you can fight back? What? Stand. I hope that relieves the sweat off your brow. 
Nowhere does the word of God say, go out there and fight the enemy. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his might and put on the armor and stand. And watch what I will do through that process of prayer and armor with you standing there. And by the way, prayer warriors are some of the busiest people on the face of the earth because they're in tune with God and they wind up being in places saying, why in the world am I here? And bam, all of a sudden it opens up and they know. They know because it becomes obvious with things happening. So he says, stand up and, and, and put on the armor and stand firm because you are in a battle not with flesh and blood. It's with the evil forces. And then we get to verse 13. And, and he says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all, to stand firm. He just keeps repeating it. Stand therefore. And then he gets to the armor. Did you see how many times he said, Be strong. Stand firm. In the armor. He just keeps saying, stand firm, stand firm. Now, in this passage, you're going to see a change in the verbiage. And it's an important change. Because when we get here to where it starts in verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That verse, and yours may be translated as mine is, throughout the early part of this armor uh, portion, it says, take up or put on. If you look at the Greek tense of the verb, what he's saying there is, in essence, he says, listen, the Father has provided all of this for you, but you must take the initiative to reach down and put it on. But the verb tense will change as we move on through this passage, and I'll show you where it changes. But he starts out by saying... Uh, so take up the whole armor of God. And he says, start out by the belt of truth. And what he's referring to there is, is faithfulness, that you're ready for action. I wear a belt because I've lost weight several years ago and I never have put it back on yet and I don't. And it could be real embarrassing with some of the pants that I still wear if I don't have a belt on. But if I got my belt on, I'm ready to get out in public. <laughs> my wife says, those look terrible on you. And I say, yeah, but they're not worn out yet. We'll talk about that later. But the whole point of the belt of the truth is saying, I'm going to be faithful because I am ready. I'm going to make sure my pants don't fall down when I get out there. And I'm standing. Because you've got other things to do with your hands besides hang on to your pants. So that's what he's saying. Be ready. Be faithful. And then he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covered the vital organs. Those that were so susceptible that if they were harmed, death occurred. And what he's basically saying there is, your breastplate of righteousness is the shed blood of Jesus Christ who covers you. Christ died for you, 
And he is your covering. He is the one you place that faithfulness in, is, is him. He is your blessed breastplate of righteousness. And then he goes on to say, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. He says, Understand that you are about to walk into places where peace is not happening. And peace has been disturbed in a lot of places. And he says, you need to put on your feet this gospel, this reality that you have peace with God and you need to take that peace with God into places where they're dying to experience a peace. And they don't even know where to look. And then he says, and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. It's faith in God that God will, will repel those fiery darts that are coming at you, not from people around you, but from the evil one who is trying to discourage you and to keep you from being who God created you to be. So Paul has been saying, you have to take the initiative. And, and it's, a, it's a whole lot like that model prayer we looked at last week. The model prayer was not every morning get up and say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. Which is that Luke chapter 11 verse 1 through 4 passage. He said these are the components that you need to be talking to the Father about. Rather than just repeating the prayer. And I think that's what he's saying here. Is you need to take the initiative every day of your life. To put on the armor. Understand it's not okay now, okay, I've got to go through this. Okay, I put on the, the, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and, and I make sure my feet are shod with the gospel of peace and I've, I've, got, I've got my hand on that shield. That's not what he's talking about as much as what those things mean, that you're ready, that you recognize where you stand in the shed blood, that you're taking that good news, that gospel wherever you go and you're changing the world as you go because you're hanging on to faith that God will take care of you. And here's where the verb changes. Because he then says, and take. It's not take up. It's not put on. It's translated take. And it's because of the verb change in the original language. Because where the put on or take up is... You take the initiative to put on what the Father has given you. But now he says, just receive what only God can give you when he talks about and take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit. Father, gives that to you through Jesus Christ. And you need to 
accept that. The helmet is that, that whole concept that God has given you a saving relationship. So you walk in that which he has given you and acknowledge it. I am thrilled to know that the devil can't touch me. Now, my body may get whacked really hard by the devil, but even if my body dies, the devil can't touch me. And it wasn't anything I did. It's everything that God did for me and in me. And and I need to receive that fresh every day, not to be saved again, but because I am saved, I need to rejoice in that and receive that in a new mindset that I am his because of what he has done for me. And then he says, and to take up the sword of the Spirit, the very word of God, that, that it is divine instruction that he is constantly giving to me if I will receive it. It's like I'm getting ready to go here and all of a sudden I feel uneasy. I shouldn't be going there and I feel like I need to go there. It was one of those those things that I remember one night I was driving home from a meeting and it was kind of late at night and I had a friend that ran the projector in a in a movie theater and as I'm getting close to where his business is, the movie theater is, I just get this overwhelming sense. The Spirit is speaking to me and he says, you need to go talk to him. No, that's not what he said to me. He said, you need to talk to me because he needs you praying on his behalf right now. And I've wrestled with God. No, so you want me to go talk to him? No, no, I don't want you to go talk to him. I want you to pray for him. I'm a slow learner, okay? So I pulled off the expressway and I drove down to where he was and I knock on the window of the ticket office because it's, it's midnight and... I finally roused somebody back there in the concessionaire, and they came and said, I'm sorry, there's no new movies. I said, no, I need to see so-and-so. And they said, well, he's not here tonight. I said, really? No, this is his night off. He's, he's home. I'm going, hmm. Okay, maybe you didn't tell me to go see him, God. <laughs> uh, you told me to pray for him. And so I just stopped right there, and I just prayed hard for him that night. And I couldn't wait for the next morning to come because I wanted to find out what was going on. And I immediately called him, and I said, I'm going to be nosy. And I, I said, what was going on about midnight last night at your house? Because I had this distinct impression that I was to pray for you. And he said, I hope you did, and you must have, because everything began to change at that point. And he told me what was happening in his house, and there was no family calamity. It was a flood going on at his house when the water heater erupted, and he was deluged. And sometimes it's something, well, you say, that's not significant enough to pray about. 
if it had been your house and your water tank, you'd have thought it would have been. And the, the sword of the Spirit is we're constantly getting this direction from the Father. And to wrap it up, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth and boldly proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. That we might be people out there living the gospel, speaking the gospel, praying for those, just like we did to start this part of the worship service where we stopped and we prayed for others that are out there. That's part of our challenge and our responsibility to practically be praying. It's like we prayed for vacation Bible school. It's like we pray for so many other things. We're not always in that particular battle, but we are to be part of the team that is praying for them. I'm going to give you two scripture references. We're not going to even look at them, but I want you to go back and read them later. Second Kings, Second Kings chapters 18 and 19 talks about an experience in Hezekiah's life. That's an Old Testament reference. Second Kings chapter 18 and 19, and then also Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, which talks about an imprisonment that Peter was involved in. And I want you to read these stories because they are illustrations of what I've just been talking about. In both of those situations, the person that was in the greatest need in that place of leadership as Hezekiah was, what you see them doing is standing in the presence of the Father and praying and praying and praying. Or in Peter's case, when he got thrown into prison, the church gathered together and it says they earnestly prayed. And then you read on through the end of those sections of Scripture and you'll see, and God did this. And that's what I want to challenge you folks to be and to do is that we learn to stand strong in Him and pray. And then if He tells you to do something, go do it. And He will, by the way. Prayer warriors, as I said earlier, are some of the busiest people on the face of the earth. But you'll be amazed at how He uses you in your normal going through life. One last illustration and I close. I'm one of these guys that I'm always trying to be sensitive to what the Spirit's leading me to do. Don't always pass the test, but I try. And I always pray over my meal when I go to a restaurant, but I don't always do what I'm about to tell you I did. But every so often, God will prompt me as I'm getting ready to pray and in this one particular case, which is an illustration, it's happened more than once. Matter of fact, every time it's happened, this kind of storyline happens out. I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and uh, the, the waitress brings me my food, and I've, all of a sudden I just feel this prompting. Ask her if you can pray for her. 
okay? <laughs> Ma'am, thank you for bringing my food. I'm getting ready to say a blessing to my Heavenly Father for this good food that you've brought me. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And with great enthusiasm, she said, Nope! Don't need you praying for me. Thank you very much. And she turned and walked off. And I thought, Lord, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I know you told me to ask her. And I'm sitting there eating my meal and I'm wrestling with this. And the next thing I know, my waitress comes and I'm thinking she's going to see if I need a refill on my water. And she walks up to me and she said, Excuse me, but could I sit down for just a moment? Yes, ma'am, you may. And she sat down, and she looked me square in the eye, and she said, How did you know what I was going through this morning? And I said, I don't know what you're going through. I just know the Spirit told me to ask if I could pray for you, and was there something? And she said, just before I left work this, this morning, my mother got a phone call from the doctor and found out she has cancer. And I don't know how to handle that. Would you pray for me and for my mother? And I said, I'll do it right now if that's okay with you. And she reached out and grabbed my hands and said, please do. Prayer warriors are busy folks just going through their normal lifestyle. And as the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. Father, would you teach us to pray? that we would be sensitive to our need to put on the armor and to be strong, not in ourselves, but in you, and to simply stand and pray and then respond as your Spirit shows us how to share the gospel in so many different ways. Lord, teach us to not just know about prayer, but teach us to pray. And that prayer goes on. And I'm going to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed to simply stand up where you are. Just stand up, all of you. Stand up where you are. And that prayer that I was praying, I didn't say amen because it's still going. But it's up to you now. What is the Spirit prompting you? Do you need to come to the altar to pray? Do you need to come speak to one of these men that are down here at the front and say, please pray for me? Maybe you've got a decision. You want to know this God I'm talking about that speaks to His people. Maybe you want to link your life with the church. I don't know what the Spirit is saying to you, but you know, and I'm asking you to move right now. People's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. They're not looking around at you. I'm asking you not to look around. 
just let people do what they need to do right now.